As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Seven fifty-five is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty is on the air now. Welcome back to 755 is Real. I'm David O'Brien, praise writer for The Athletic. 755 is Real presented by Tops. Check out Tops Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Tops baseball cards. With my co-host here, Eric O'Flaherty, former Braves reliever, renowned left-hander with the sub-1 ERA one season that we'll get to in a second here. <laughs> Eric, what's up, man? How's it uh, How's it out to about 150? Out in Washington? Oh, it's going to be 117 today. <laughs> oh, I've never man, seen weather man. like this. It's crazy. Can't even take the kids outside. They just hot Atlanta. <laughs> man, the kids just break down outside in like a minute and a half, too. It's so hot. It's crazy. I can't believe the temperatures I was seeing in uh, in uh, Seattle and Portland. I, I, that's just crazy, man. I, I didn't think that was possible. Well, the thing is, is, like, I'm on the other side of the state. It, it always gets in the 90s over here. But right. in Seattle, when I was living there, you know, like 20% of the units and houses have AC. Yeah. So I mean, Yeah, that's what I heard. It got up to 105 or 110 yesterday over there with no AC, man. That's rough. Yeah, I heard in Portland, like 50% of the people don't have central air. And it was 116 degrees. I mean, Nobody how do you even live it. in that? How do you sleep? <laughs> I don't know. I had a unit in, in Seattle one summer and we got lucky. We found one of those portable AC units at Home Depot and got the last one. But those things sell out in like 10 minutes in Seattle every time it gets in the 80s. So I can't imagine what people are doing over there. Wow. My sister's staying at a hotel. They left their house and went to a hotel. Oh, I bet. Just crank that AC up. Oh, yep. yeah. I, I, that's what I heard. All the hotels are full, like downtown and everything. Yep. Well, we just got back from Cincinnati, and I tell you what, it was muggy as hell there on that river, man. That, that oh yeah, you love the river view from the from the from the ballpark, but you forget how muggy it can get right next to a, a significant river like that. It that and downtown being on top of that river, it's really muggy. So, but uh, and they moved the press box. They used to have a nice big air conditioned press box there, and something's wrong with the AC. But they moved the press box. We're down the left field line, which. You know, 
for a, for a dip, for a change, at least for, for a series, it was kind of cool because the perspective yeah. you get from up there and it's good seats. Those people that have seats right there, those are good seats because you're close enough. You could see everything in detail, but seeing the third baseman and the shortstop and the plays and how quick the game is from there, totally different perspective than being high up at, you know, above home plate and back. Yeah. So it's kind of cool, you know, watching the throws. I was directly in line from the throws, third base to first base, watching the outfielders. It's a nice change. So I think that's I don't know why it's like important, it you know, if you're a big fan to go to some games too, because the game looks so easy on TV. But the oh, closer, yeah. if you ever get a chance to sit down close to the action, you can see how fast it is. Same with like an NBA game. You know, yeah. you watch NBA on TV, it looks pretty easy. And then you sit down there close to the court and you see how big and you those realize dudes how are huge they are and how yeah. fast they're moving and how they yeah. just glide on the court at six, eight, you know, two thirty. It's crazy. It's totally out of context on TV because all those guys are huge. So there's nobody so next to them. That's not, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I've always told people, if you get a chance to go to a, to a uh, spring training game, make sure you go best. down, go down low, real low. And if you get like down low near first base and you watch just a ground ball, you get such yeah. a, uh, an appreciation for how fast the game is that you cannot pick up on TV. You're like, that is it's, it's such a different level than even a minor league game, much less like a college or high school game, how precision and fast it is. Crazy. Yeah. Or if they, anytime they use like those umpire or catcher cams. Yeah. Um, they're always like the fisheye lens. So they don't give you the perfect perspective, but anytime right. you can see from back there, the giants do a good job of it. The giants have a camera behind home plate and they'll go to it. Sometimes you can see how sharp the movement is on the pitches. Yeah. From behind home plate, you know, it looks kind of gradual. But when you see that direction change from directly behind home plate, how that ball just dips down or takes off up, yeah. it gives you a different perspective on, you know, what the hitters are really dealing with. Yeah, so uh, eight games, covered eight games in seven days in two cities. The Braves uh, split the whole trip 4-4 and split each series 2-2. Two and two. Overall, I thought it was a pretty good road trip for them. They had a couple of bad games. But overall, I thought they, they played pretty well, and there was more encouraging than discouraging. They split despite just having just being terrible with runners in scoring position for almost the, for the entire trip. Yeah. Um, so I mean, they were getting guys on base. I mean, at one game they lost, they left ten runners on base to Cincinnati's two. I think on Saturday. So I mean, they just start to get a couple of knocks, and this is not a team that sucked all year with runners in scoring position. I know people think they have because they've left a lot of guys, you know, third with less than two outs, those glaring mistakes. But overall, they're not, they've not been bad with runners in scoring position, but they were terrible on this trip. So they could have easily won six out of eight. But I thought the most encouraging thing, obviously, was Muller. Muller oh, yeah. made two made two starts, first two starts of his major league career. And he didn't look just good. He looked great. He looks like the next, he looks the way Ian Anderson did last year, how convincing it was, where you're like, this is oh, this guy's, and this guy's six foot seven, throws hard, has a nasty slider, really good curveball, and mixes in a changeup. I mean, all it was, all it was with him was was a matter of can he stop walking guys? That was the only thing keeping him yep. in the minor leagues. And he and he flipped the switch like three starts back in his triple A career, figured some things out, made some adjustments, and man, the command's been so much better. And when the command's not an issue, there is no question about this guy. No question. None. I mean, well, that's, you know, when, when you would talk about him and tell me about him before, I didn't get excited at all because it was walks, you know, and you just, yeah. you can't pitch in the major leagues walking people. You can't get right. out free passes because you're just going to get beat. 
but I'd never heard about his breaking stuff. And when I saw that first start, I was like, those are two yeah. plus breaking balls. Uh, you know, you get excited about a lefty throwing 97, but if he's walking people and he doesn't have breaking stuff, you know, it's like, whatever, it's just another hard thrower that's yeah. probably going to flame out, you know, especially when you say he's lifting trucks or whatever, you know, it's like, all right, this is just a meathead yeah. throwing as hard as he can. But then watching him pitch, seeing yeah. two different breaking balls, and he could still dial it up to 97. I was like, man, this, I should have given this guy more credit and paid more attention on his way up. Cause I, I kind of just, I didn't write him off, but I just didn't get too excited about him. You know, when you're saying he's yeah. walking people and throwing hard, it's like, well, whatever, you know, that's not going to play in the big leagues, but his breaking ball is definitely going to play. And he had those videos that he and Tucker Davidson posted from yeah. driveline a couple of winners where they're hit throwing a hundred, you know, and like, you're yeah. like, okay, whatever. But cool. he learned, man, after a couple of years in the minors where he's just trying to blow everybody away because he could hit he could hit 99 100. I mean, he's yeah. driving line. He was over. He was 100. And he's hit 99 7 in an actual game on the clock. So he could uh, – or on the uh, scoreboard uh, meter. But he's uh, – so he could hit the radar 99. Gun. <laughs> the radar gun. The scoreboard he can meter. Hit 90, yeah, what the hell am I doing? But he's, uh, he's dialed it back a little bit as pitching night and day. I mean, he's learned yeah. that throwing 94 to 96 – he is a much better pitcher than when he's trying to blow everybody away with 99 on the gun. Yeah. And that's, and a, that that's a hard curve. thing too, you know, cause that's what gets everybody excited and talking about you. And, mm. and when you're young, you want to go out there and light up yeah. the gun and if you touch and 95 and, and you're yeah, six, you, seven from Texas. Yeah. It's going to get people excited. If you go throw <laughs> yeah. seven shutout with four strikeouts and you touch 93, it's like in today's yeah. game, it seems like nobody cares. But if you go out there and throw five innings with seven walks and you're sitting 100, there's going to yeah. be more people talking about you after the game. And, you know, it's just something about the hype of throwing hard. But if you can find a way to just tone it down to whatever level you have to where you're able to hit spots, and and for him, that that that's still 95, 96. Yeah, yeah. So, and that's plenty when you're left-handed with a good breaking ball. You know, having the – the good breaking ball is so key because it gets them off that fastball. With no breaking ball, the guys will just eliminate it and, and they can hit anything. You know, the speed doesn't matter. But once I saw that breaking ball out of him, I was like, man, this dude might be really good if he throws strikes. And he has. Did you, did you see him strike out uh, Vado with two with two on for that with that curveball? And that inning well, was, first one was a, first one was a hanging slider. Yeah. And it was just, it was still tight. Right. And it was still, he's still throwing. That's where that 97 comes into play because Votto still got to respect it. Yeah. It starts up and in. It wasn't a great one. And then the next at bat, he threw a good one and made him look bad. But that, yeah. that's where the velocity comes into play. But if he doesn't, if he doesn't have any off speed, Joey's not going to struggle with 99 from a lefty. Yeah. Yeah. So six, seven lefty throwing mid upper nineties. Uncomfortable. Two good breaking balls and a changeup. I mean, this guy. And you know what? The mental is every bit as good as the physical. This guy is energetic. He's he's aggressive. He's excited. You know, he did, some of these guys come in here in the interviews. You're just like, nah. You know, it's not much there mentally. You don't. You, you wonder how aggressive they are, yeah. or how much how much they're how much fun they're having, or how energized they're. This guy's got. He's he's wired, man. He's ready. I didn't see so, that. You know, I saw him pulling. He was pulling a a bus or something with a rope. And I was like, all right. right. Yeah. You know, that's cool. But this dude He's might a be monster. a big dumbass, but coming up and being smart and having that stuff. I mean, there've yeah, been so many monster. of these guys to get excited about, but when you see that yeah. they have it up here too, with the stuff, you know, that then, you know, they can handle it. He's the first one for me since Ian. And those are the only two really that have come up and, 
you know, Kyle Wright had a couple of great starts at the end of last year, but we'd seen so many mediocre starts from him before that, that we're like, we're not ready to say he's turned yeah. the page, you know, completely. Uh, this guy's yeah. To me, he's like Ian, you know, he, he both his first two starts have just been, yeah, he's just been really good. And, and I, I think they got one, I, they got one there. So when you can move forward, building around that, you know, and it couldn't have come at a better time because it came the day we learn about or the day after we learn about Soroka, you know, which is just devastating news. I mean, the, the Soroka news, there's no positive spin to put on this at all. He, uh, the guy tears his Achilles for the second time walking into the clubhouse. Literally. That's what we're told. Snit said, Nope, he wasn't doing anything funky. wasn't doing anything difficult. He was literally walking into the clubhouse and felt it pop, which to me says, you know, given that nine days earlier, he had sat there a week earlier, told us how great it felt and how the exploratory surgery revealed that the Achilles was completely healed from the first, that it was only a matter of those sutures that his body had rejected was causing the infection and discomfort, but, but that he was assured the Achilles had healed. To me, it just says, I mean, I, I don't know how a surgeon committed that wrong, telling him that it's healed and if it's not. I think there's something there. He's a guy that's predisposed to this because you just don't see 23-year-old pitchers tearing an Achilles doing what he was doing the first time, coming off the mound, stepping. Not 23. You see that from guys in their late 30s. Yeah. From basketball. You know, you don't see it from basketball players in their early 20s. You see it from guys well into their careers. And it's usually doing something really rigorous, running out of the box, maybe. You that's know, how Howard did it. Howard did it getting out of the box. Yeah. So did Wainwright. But, yeah, you know, they were both in their 30s. He was 10 years younger than them, and he did it coming off the mound stepping. To me, that was a red flag in that this just may be a guy that there's something about, you know, everybody's not the same, not built the same. Somebody's people's legs are different. So, yeah. You know, God I mean, forbid you're just, that if you're he just is, guessing, you know, if, if you yeah. try to blame it on any kind of activity or workouts they're doing, it's just that that's the ugly, just shitty side of baseball is that you have guys like him that. You're looking at him like this dude could be an ace for 10, 15 years. And something like this can yeah. just derail your whole career. I feel terrible for literally, him. literally yeah. because you'd almost, you'd almost rather have Tommy John because at least, you know, with the recovery, you know, everything about it. There's so many guys that have had it. There's so many mm -hmm. guys now that have had two of them, you know, but this is something we're in uncharted waters. I found one guy, the triple a uh, third base prospect with the white Sox, Who's a, who's the same age, basically was a really high uh, prospect, tore his twice. But the second time he tore his was 10 weeks after he tore it the first time. So he had just started. Right when he came out of the boot, probably, huh? Right. So his wasn't, obviously wasn't healed yet. So I can't find one single person who's torn a killer's twice, a baseball player. There's probably one out there. It's just not documented, but I couldn't find any. So, I mean, it's hard to find anybody that's in uncharted waters with anything athletic at this point, with everything that's been documented, you know, and, I can't find anything with a guy like that. So uh, you, you mentioned this when I told you we were texting. The poor guy is going to be thinking about this. And it don't matter how tough-minded you are, you're going to be thinking about this when you start doing shit again physically. I mean, anything oh, physically. Walking up yeah. steps. Walking up steps. You know? Yeah, yeah you feel your Achilles when you walk life. up steps. Yeah. Much I mean, less running, sprinting. For me, you know, you're talking about your mental health for the rest of your, like if you're a professional athlete, you know, he probably 
was playing hockey, basketball, all these other sports, like that's your yeah. outlet. Yeah. And for me, that's, that's the first thing I think about when I think it's like him as a human going through your life. And if, you, if it doesn't heal right, or it's a problem, you know, you're not playing any sports. It, yeah. you, you're not you're exercising. I mean, you're you're walking swimming. is yeah. Swimming. Uh, you know, that's, I just, no I feel terrible for a, a guy that's probably used to being so active to, to have to take this on. But I will say, you know, just having listened to him in interviews and talking to guys, if anybody can handle it yeah. and, and put the work in and put a good spin on it and have the mindset, it's a guy like him. You know, I mean, because there's other guys, there's other dudes that if, if they were thrown this curveball, they would just shut down and just drink the rest of their life. <laughs> and yeah. That, yeah. I mean, it'd be a wrap. But if anybody can do it and come back from it, it's a guy like him. That third base prospect I was talking about, by the way, that burger guy, um, should look him up. It's interesting. He, uh, he went through, so he missed two full seasons. They thought he was just going to miss one. He missed two. They thought the recovery for the second one would be 12 months. It was longer. He missed two full seasons. Then the pandemic. So he missed three, basically, you know, he didn't play anywhere last year. He's now hitting, he's raking in triple a, um, but he battled depression. Oh yeah. Never had before. He battled depression during this thing. So, and, and tried to, you know, I'm sure self-medicated and all that, but so he's a big uh, feel good story right now with the White Sox. They think he could be, he could finally, you know, uh, uh, become something, but uh, he was a top prospect, you know, high draft pick and all that. So, um, you know, I just, uh, yeah, like you said, if there's one guy on the organization, you know, I can't think of a better one who might have a better chance of as far as work ethic, the right mental state, you know, uh, to not let it destroy him mentally. This that Soroka is the guy, but at the same time, he's such he's a guy that's so competitive and and, and mm-hmm. is so driven by competing that this has got to be killing him, man. To know oh, that he's yeah. got this whole thing up in front of him again, what he just went through, and then now you've got this added on top of that. You got the mental fatigue of okay, when I do get back, when I do get to the point I was before. Who's to say it's going to work this time? Yeah. Well, that's that whole different. That's the toughest thing about thing. Tommy John, man. You know, for me, mentally, I struggled a lot because you don't know it's going to work. And you put in, you put in six, seven months of, it's just redundant. Like it's just repetitive, boring ass rehab, you know, day in, day out, you're getting up at six 30, yeah. you're at the field and you're just moving your arm around. You're lifting three pound dumbbells, just. I mean, it just, it's just a drag compared to what Idiots. you're used to doing. You know, you, you, one of the best feelings in the world for me is getting out and long tossing. Now you're throwing 45 feet at 30% effort and this long road back. You know, when, when I got to the point where my elbow was still hurting after Tommy John, I was like, I might just retire rather than have another surgery and go through this again. Cause it's, yeah. it's just so draining mentally. You know, it's, it's just the redundance of it. But yeah, I mean, I, it, there's a long road ahead of him. Um, I don't know, man. I, I, thought, I mean, it's just tough. I thought Snit made a good comparison because somebody asked him, have you you know, heard of this? And of course, Snit hadn't heard of anybody doing the kills twice either, you know. Um, but Snit compared it to Johnny Venters, who was also uncharted waters, in that he had three and a half Tommy Johns. Nobody else has done that and kept pitching. Uh, the one uh, Latin pitcher came back from like four and kept doing a little it wasn't very good at the end, but he but he came back, but there's nobody else. And uh the fourth one, the doctors wouldn't even do the full Tommy John on Venter's ligament because it was so compromised. They were worried that if they, the, the bone full, too, they drilled through the right. bone so many times. Right, they just you know, weakened bone. Yeah. 
So they wouldn't do that part of it, that drilling part. So, but he came back after missing five seasons, in the, which is crazy. I couldn't but expect like, anybody more than than what yeah. he did to keep freaking going, man. I mean, that's so hard. So if they haven't had Ventress call him yet, I would hope they would maybe after he has the second surgery and begins to look at the rehab road ahead, they certainly should have Soroka talk to Johnny Venters because that guy is the one that I think more than anybody else could tell him. I know it's going to seem like, you know, there's no end to this, but there's hope regardless of whether it's been done before or not, you know, because Johnny came back and he wasn't what he was before, but he still was a very uh, good major league pitcher for another couple of years. And that was the one thing he can away. Well, yeah, no, that's, when I saw him 30s. keep coming back, I was like, I can't respect anybody more because, like I'm saying, I mean, it it, it pretty came it came pretty close to breaking me mentally, having a yeah. second just to clean up on my on my Tommy John and having to do some more rehab and go through it. And the whole time, you know, what makes it tough is if it was guaranteed, I'm going to come back and and be right. the same and be able to throw. Right. But the whole time you're looking at it like, you know, there's a good chance I'm never the same. And, and Achilles is even tougher. So you're going to have to yep. do all this rehab with the chance that it works, not a guarantee. I mean, that's, that makes it so much harder to push through it versus, I mean, people look at Tommy John, like it's just filling a cavity now, but it's, there's still a lot of risk and you don't know if you're coming back. And yep. and that was hard for me, even with all the certainty everybody had being in uncharted waters with a second Achilles at 23 is, yeah. I mean, that's, that's going to be tough for him to push through. But like I said, I think, you know, anybody that's built mentally to do it, it'd be a guy like him. Cause there's that, you know, if you're just a normal person and you're, you have normal fears, you're going to be dreading what happens if I do it again. Am I even going to be able to walk normal if I have three, three times, much yeah. less play baseball. So yeah, I feel for him, man. And he couldn't be a nicer guy. You know, it couldn't be a more decent guy and, and a better competitor. And you just feel for him. This is, this I, is why, I, you know, fair. When guys get criticized for signing like an Albies yeah, deal or something exactly. like that, this is even if it's a small percentage and you're supposed to look out for the players after you, this is the the reason guys do it. Because if yeah. Ozzy went and snapped his Achilles twice, he's still yeah. sitting on 35 mil. You yeah. know, and, and I'm sure I, I mean I doubt Soroka got to that point where they even talked about a contract, but for him, even if he got some shitty deal offered to him, like $27 million for six years, you know, for, for his yeah. talent, that's a shitty deal for anybody else is great. But you pass on it pretty quick. But this is what's in your head when you're yeah. like, eh, I mean, I got a chance to be set for life if I take this. And a lot of organizations have signed guys with zero to one these days. Nobody did before. But nowadays yep. they do. They've signed some guys for even playing the majors or they just yeah. started. And he had that hell of a year in 2019. So, I mean, the next time a pitcher does that and team approaches him, I'm thinking Soroka. And next time somebody tells me, God, he left so much money on the table, I'm just going to go, Mike Soroka. Yeah. Because how about if the Braves had approached Soroka after that great year? That was a great year. They might have thought, now's the time to get him because his price is going to go way up. Yep. If he just had $20 million guaranteed to him, if they had just signed him to, to, to buy out his arbitration years and maybe one year free agency, and they'd sign you know, $40 million for five years or whatever, just think how differently he could look at things if he had oh. $40 million in the bank as opposed to I mean, what he's got would, right now. It would change. I would have signed. I, if When I was getting close to free agency and my arm was already hurting, if they would have offered me anything. Yeah. I yeah. just, you know, as a reliever, you're throwing a lot of games. They know better, but – if they would offer me anything, I would have signed it, but I just wasn't in that position. But those are things you think about. And, and, you know, that's always in the back of your head as a player is 
you know, what if I fall on my face and just don't perform? And the other one is what if I have some freak injury, you know, yeah. get your foot ran over by a taxi cab or something, you know, and all of a sudden you're just, you're out. It's the difference between Ozzy Albies getting that generational money. Mm-hmm. And if he'd have gotten hurt, then he's looking at getting by the rest of his life with what little he's made in the relatively little in the majors so far, much less not, you're not going to talk generational money at that point. But when you get right. 30, $40 million, you're talking you're about your yeah. next, your kids are good. You know, good. their kids are good. If they invest yeah. it wisely, I mean, or just so conservatively. You, yeah. And you look at like, well, you know what they're passing up, maybe they lose out on 50, but the guarantee of, I don't right. ever have to work again. And my kids are set, you know I mean? It's right. That's why guys take those deals is because stuff like this happens sometimes. Yeah. It's, it's just the difference is you don't have enough money to buy like, you know, 10 cars and four houses and have private, you know, a home, private you know, jet, fly right, first class exactly. instead. <laughs> so like instead you're so just bad. really rich. You're just yeah. rich for the rest of your life. And so are your kids, <laughs> you know, yeah. if they just invest conservatively. I mean, I think for him, the thing he could at least look at and fall back on is they're not going to non-tender him because he's, he's still got right. too much potential. Right. You know, so he's going to, and they it. wouldn't do that anyway, you know, after what he's been through with, but, but, but yeah, he's too good to, to I mean, you never to know, <laughs> but with how oh, yeah. good he is, with how good he is, I mean, it, there's, it's, it's worth the risk on, on their side to, if he does come back and he is maybe not yeah. the same, but pretty good after it, you know, I mean, so he'll, he'll get, he'll make some money, but I mean, you look at Johnny, if Johnny didn't get hurt, <laughs> Johnny was two years away from free agency. Johnny would have gone oh, out God. and got, probably a 30, $40 million deal as a reliever. And that was right when relievers were starting to get paid. Getting paid. Middle yeah. relievers got paid for a while. I mean, I blew out in my free agent year, four months away. Oh, man. You know, but that's just, that's the game. You know, that's why that's always in the back of your head that if you can get yourself yeah, that guarantee, you know, it's worth it. And I've got no idea how this affects him long term, whatever. But I mean, I wonder if there's a scenario where he comes back when when there's less stress on an Achilles as a reliever. I have no idea. Going an inning, an inning at a time instead of a whole game. I have no idea, but we'll see. It's going to be interesting. But it's you certainly hoped we wouldn't have to deal with this. I, I I'm just I'm stunned that he had the setback. You know, the the first one, the sutures thing, but then this thing. I'm just it just doesn't seem right. But you know. There's me- there's weird medical shit all the time. We just get used to the same thing all the time. But just being the 23 and blowing out your Achilles doing that is weird enough, you know. I That's what just tells me that he has yeah. something structurally. His body might just be a little bit different. Pretty, some people are predisposed to stuff, man. You know, some people's yeah. elbows and shoulders can't take pitching. Others can pitch 20 years without having a, a, a surgery. Or a torn labrum and they just keep rolling. Yeah. You know, I mean, everybody's yeah. body works different. I'd definitely try a different surgeon, I think. <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean, as great as this guy is, I, I would trust. too, like Beachy and Venters did. They went with Andrews the first one or two. Venters went somewhere else after that. Yeah. Just because it's hard to have the same trust in the same guy, no matter what his reputation is, you know. Well, he's zero percent for you. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, exactly. he's great on everybody else, but we're shooting zero between yep. us. So, yep. Eric, let's hear from today's sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Home run derby. Ronald Acuna hasn't said yet whether he's going to be in it, but he, he told is. Tatis apparently because Tatis was asked last week if he's going to be in it, and because of his shoulder, you know, the supplication, subluxation that he had earlier yeah. this season, he's not going to do it. It was kind of stupid for him to do it. So yeah. he said, but he said, I talked to Acuna. He was talking to me like, let's go. I told him to have fun this year, but next time I go, I'm going to win it. So he'll try to win it this time. So sounds like he told Tatis that he's doing it for sure, but we haven't heard yet. Uh, next time we get Ronald on the thing, I'm just going to ask him if they haven't announced anything by then. But he also said, uh, uh, Tatis said, then picked, this was Friday when Tatis was saying he's not going to go. He picked Otani, Shohei Otani to win it. So somebody asked him, does that mean you're picking him over Acuna? And Tatis said, it's a tough decision. Those are my two picks. So uh, my money, man, I mean, it's, it's tough to turn down betting on Ronnie because he was, hit, he took the most ridiculous round of home run derby I've ever seen. Cause he was hitting yeah. opposite field home runs Yeah, way out, yeah. but still like nobody does that. That's probably the I most. I what thing. it'll do at Coors. Cause I mean, he, he can flick those opposite fields with that Coors there. Every one of them's going out. He might go top deck opposite field. Cause I don't think they'll use the humidor. I wonder if somebody, because, you know, they tore that third deck down and it's a party deck now. Somebody's leaving I'm the yard. I think somebody's going to hit it out of the stadium. Otani will leave the stadium. I would I I put money on that if I to. could. Because I don't think they'll, I think they always juice the balls a little bit for the home run derby. Yeah. And I don't yeah, think they'll put sure. it in the humidor. And when you take BP there, sure. you hit BP yeah. balls that aren't in the humidor. Those things. They ain't putting it in the humidor. No chance. They're going to try so, to get the most I mean, they can get. Somebody might hit one 570. I mean, that sounds ridiculous, but. I don't think Stanton's going to be in it. I don't think he's ruled it out, but he could do it. He could hit one over. Guerrero, Guerrero might go over the scoreboard. <laughs> and and Acuna could do it, man. Yep. Acuna it, it's actually it. going to be really fun to watch because, like, when you take BP there, you use your, your own practice ball. So they're not in the humidor. Dudes yeah. hit balls, and you think you're camped under it in center field. Yeah. And it just, it just keeps Acuna, going. It doesn't come Acuna down. Acuna could hit one. Up on that rock pile in center to the top of that, or he could He'll hit go one in the left. seats in center. He could hit over, yeah, that rock pile seats up there, or yep. he could hit over everything and left that concourse, yep. everything out into the park. So we'll see. I don't think he's going to hit one out to right field out of the ballpark, but you never know with him, man. Uh, the, I'm the home you, man. run he hit, <laughs> that home run he hit at Cincinnati this weekend. Which one was that? Holy, the line drive to center, oh, off 117. The glass. 117 miles an hour. It was a line drive like the one in, in New York, but even lower. Yep. It was under 20 degrees launch angle. Yep. It looked like it was going to take the pitcher's head off, and it just kept going. These screaming line drives he hit, those two on that road trip were ridiculous, 116 and 117, I think. This was the hardest hit by Braves since StatCast started in 2015. 
He's now got the four hardest hit by any Braves since they started StatCast. And I wonder what Gaddis's would have been. I wonder what Gaddis's would have been. That one he yeah, hit at Philly that went four. Gattis. That went four eighty, whatever at Philly. Dead center. Yeah, yeah, up on the concourse. I was talking to um Hinsky when he he went over to the Angels and Otani had just came over and he said, hands down, he has the most BP power he's ever seen. I mean, it's not hard to believe now after watching him, some of the balls yeah. he hits, but yeah. I don't think people realize how big he is. He's huge. He's a big boy and He's he takes a huge. big swing. Big smooth swing. Yeah. I think he'll yep. I think he'll hit one out of the stadium to right field. I think he's because he's Asian. People have a stereotype, you know, in their heads, you know, about how big he could be or whatever. No, he's, he's a big. monster. Yeah. He's a big dude, man. Yeah. <laughs> he's like a little bigger than Chipper, you know? Yep. Like another inch or two than a chipper and a little bigger overall, you know, wider yep. shoulders. But that's, I mean, that to, for people who've ever met Chipper and they go, God, he's a lot bigger than I thought because people don't realize how big Chipper was because he played third base, you know? Chipper's a big boy, but Otani's bigger. Yeah. You know who he actually, uh, his swing reminds me a lot of Ichiro's BP swing because Ichiro would just pepper the hit it here cafe and yeah. BP. I think Ichiro could have won a home run derby if he ever did it. That's what everybody says. He could have 30 homers it. in a year if he wanted to. He would hit BP, and if he took... If he was in the mood, he could hit – if, say, you took 30 swings, he'd hit 27 or 28 off the Hit It Here Cafe in right field. And it was just – it was the same home run over and over and over. But yeah, we'd always ask him, like, man, why don't you do that in games? Or why? And he just – he said, you know, I'm, I'm fast. I want to get on base. I want to hit 330. Right. But his BP, I mean, he could – he I think he could have won the home run derby. He wouldn't hit the moonshot. You know, he wouldn't hit one 500 yeah. feet. But he just consistently could hit a home run, right. you know, 90% of the time when he felt like it in BP. I bet if he came along now, he would have a different approach. You know, he wouldn't be hit the because average is just not a big deal anymore. And he wanted no. to be a 300 hitter, you know, and now it's like you don't get paid for that. So I don't know. I wonder how they try to defensive position him, though, because he could put the ball wherever he wanted. Yeah, he could, he could handle mean, the bat better than anybody in the game right now. He could yeah. flick the, he could he'd beat any shift if he wanted to. He would just purposely hit a high chopper to shortstop and beat it out. Yeah. Yeah, that man could handle a bat. Damn. Uh, so I know they've got the home run derby. What I've seen so far, commitments are from Pete Alonso, defending champion, who beat Acuna by one in the second round of the previous one when Acuna was hitting the opposite field homers, uh, 20 to 19 in that round. Alonso went on to win that thing as a rookie. He's the defending champ because they didn't have one last year. Uh, Shohei Otani, Trevor Story. It seems Hometown like a stretch guy. kind of to get a Rockies guy in it. Yeah. He had 35 homers in 2019, but since the start of last year, the guy's got 20 home runs. I mean, in 540 plate appearances. You got to get a hometown is, guy in it if you can. Yeah. Weird thing. He's only got nine homers in that span at home. He's got 11 on the road. So he's not doing it all with Coors or whatever. So it's not like he's just a guy that mastered. But yeah, they like to get a hometown guy in that thing for sure. Uh, and the other guy that uh, is known to have got an invite and said he and is Mancini. That's great, the coolest. Yeah, coolest great story one. this year. Yeah. He got an invite, and he had said a few days earlier, yeah, I'd love to do it. I'd definitely do it. So I'm assuming that he's doing it, but I haven't heard No, he's sure. doing it. Yeah, he accepted. Oh, they, I think they announced it yesterday. He accepted. Okay. But, I mean, from the going to – The guy that got to get in this thing is obviously Cunha, but Kyle Schwarber. They've yeah. got to get in him right now because he is hotter than any home run hitter I've seen since Bonds. Oh, he's hit some I mean, far ones just, too. He doesn't hit cheap ones. Yeah. Yeah. He's hitting them 440, 450 routinely. Is Guerrero and doing he's it? He's on fire. 
Have not heard yet on Guerrero. You would think you would, but the other thing is he might not want to screw up the season he's having. I mean, he's hit because he's yeah. hitting for such a great average. He's staying healthy. Did you see know. he has the exact same number of home runs through the same number of games? It's same fifty. 50 through like what was it 258 games whatever or it was the same amount of games that like is the insane. same exact pace as his dad that's that's crazy that is yeah exactly 50 home runs um but kyle schwarber he's on fire with the nats right now he's a huge reason they've won 12 out of the last 15 games i mean they're 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 getting a little scary in that division man if the braves are going to catch them they bet they, they can't wait around much longer can't go can't keep playing 500 ball with the nats doing what they're doing uh, they've uh, they got a chance against the Mets again this week, so they need to take advantage. But Schwerber, he hit his sixth leadoff homer of the season last yesterday, and he's only hit leadoff for about three weeks or less. Yeah. So it was his fifth multi-homer game of the season yesterday. Louis Rojas and the Mets said their manager said we were pitching him in, away, down, up. We were bouncing balls. This guy's swinging a hot bat. He hasn't done it just against us. We're watching highlights of him doing it against other teams too. Did it against the Bra- uh, not against the Braves. They didn't play him during this hot stretch. But uh, who was that they played for that? Yeah, yeah, he's torching everybody. His his numbers, dude. Right now, last fifteen, he's got eleven homers in the last nine games. For the last fifteen games, eleven homers. Are let's see. 11 homers in the last nine games. The last 15 games, here's what he's done. 22 for 59, 373. But are you ready for this? 14 home runs in his 22 hits. 25 RBIs in those 15 games from the leadoff spot. 1,085 slugging percentage and a 15-18 OPS in 15 games. And that's a 12-3 and in that stretch. I mean... (sighs) You know, I mean, obviously, it's not nobody keeps that up, but that those, are those, those are those waves you want to ride during the season that make your whole year. Yeah, I mean, he can be okay the rest of the year. He's going to have a good season. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a great month for just about anybody. Yeah, he's got anybody. one less one less homer this month than the entire Diamondbacks team. Yeah, I mean, that's a great month for. I mean, that's those are like uh, player of the month stats. Those, the the well, I think he's numbers. got it locked down. <laughs> yeah, I think he's got it locked down. It's pretty safe to say. Uh, Tatis had said, "Yeah, I read that to what he said about uh, Acuna." Uh, I love, I love the the Mancini, uh, uh, and I still think the Braves should try to get Mancini, but I don't think the Mancini is the coolest story in baseball this year. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, it's he was doing he was doing chemo last year, not knowing if he was going to be around, yeah. and now yeah. you're in the home run derby. That's crazy. <laughs> You think your Mariners are going to trade some of those guys? I don't know. I mean, they're playing all right, aren't they? I could see him trading Kendall Graveman, who's just yeah. gone off out of the pen. But Braves could certainly use him, man. Trading Hanniger, one, one more on. Trading Hanniger would be tough on the fan base because yeah, that's you know, the guy they, need. That's who they'd need, and I, I don't think they'd do it because they're doing this whole rebuild thing, and he's supposed to be part of the future. Yeah, but if. Braves could get him, man. Is he's one of the, another one of those guys though that if he could stay healthy, but he keeps having freak injuries. Yeah, uh, we were talking about Acuna's home run, his twenty first of the season Sunday. By the way, and he's on a killer pace, but it was uh, it was on a three one slider from Tyler Mal Mal Mally, I think Mally Mally. You're right, and it came after he nearly hit him on the first pitch. Up and in, 
again with Acuna. Hit the bottom. It hit his bat, though, for, so it was a foul ball. But you could tell it pissed him off. And afterwards, Snit said that he reminds me, because I don't want to talk about, you know, the greats all the time. But he said, Frank Robinson, Hank Aaron, you piss them off when you nearly hit them like that, and they would they would hurt you. And Acuna's the same way. And we asked Acuna about it afterwards, said what Snit had said. And Acuna said that, indeed, it motivates him. He said, uh, it was a great quote. He said, uh, on nearly getting hit like that because he stepped back in a box, there's three balls, they threw him three balls, and then he's crushed that slider. But he said, uh, it motivates me. It definitely motivates me. I'm already focused, but when that happens, I'm even more focused, and it sort of turns into the mentality of there's no way I'm not going to get a hit. <laughs> yeah, you don't want him in that mode. <laughs> no, you don't want him in that mode. No. Um, but talking about the quotes, my on, on uh, Kyle Muller striking out Votto after the inning had got a little hairy. There's a couple of guys on. He walked the pitcher. He said he looked, briefly lost his focus, and where that would have kind of unraveled on him in the past, he said he's learned. He kind of took a step back off the mound, gathered his breath, and uh, took a breath, and then got back into it, and he got the and, and then you know. With two guys on, he got out of the inning by striking out Votto. But he's that was a big inning for me, more mentally than than physically. Striking out a guy like that in a high-pressure situation, runners on second and third, it's huge. So I was super excited. Something that I had been working on mentally when an inning starts to kind of get away from me, taking a step off, taking my time, take a deep breath, relaxing and focusing on executing pitches because I had a terrible at-bat to the pitcher. I didn't really throw him anything competitive there. That could rattle you, but instead I regrouped and then attacked Votto, and that was great. That's why I love that when we had Leo Mazzoni on. I love yeah. that quote of his that he said, you know, pitchers try to go and use superpower. Yeah. Because that's your tendency, especially Joey Votto. You know, you're, you're a young guy coming up. You know who Joey Votto is. And he's one yeah. of the toughest lefty-lefty guys you can face because he stays on the slider well. But, you know, to show the maturity and just know, you know, if you execute here – and make a pitch, you're going to get him out. But if you make a mistake, he can hurt you. So many guys try to do more. They try to get better. They try to throw harder. They try to make the slider better. Now you're behind the count. You got to come see him. Um, that's showing a lot of maturity for a young guy. Probably one of his first times in that situation, getting into that big at bat, taking a step back and calming down. Because most guys get amped up, try to do too much, and that's when you get hurt. Uh, Snit was talking about Mueller, the impression that he's made in these two starts on both on this road trip. And he said, very good impression. Love the assortment. We were just talking about how he used the secondary pitches to get himself back in accounts. That's a really good mix right there. The velocity was good. The feel of the break and stuff. And he said, I was telling Dansby Swanson, he said, Kyle gets the ball and goes. He's aggressive and has a good, unbelievable pace. I love the one inning when things were unraveling a little bit, how he stayed together and got out of it. Uh, struck out Votto, really good in. So really a lot of positive stuff right there. But he, uh, he was talking about how that uh, the pace and 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 the other guys had said the same thing and working behind him yeah. after his first start in New York. I said that pace that he's making you guys aren't on their uh, on their heels like they are with some of these pitchers. Everybody's in tune and your defense works so much better behind you when they're on their toes and they're, they're into the game with, you know, you're working fast. It's such a benefit. You know, I mean, Ball one, ball two, strike one, ball three. Your defenders just had this tendency to kind of not anticipate action. And you always want them in that mode where they're anticipating the ball hit to them. 
But the more time you take between pitches, the more you fall behind guys, they just, they have this tendency to just think you're going to throw another ball here or not, you know, not challenge the hitter. They lose, even if they lose just a half a step, you know, that ball in the hole sneaks through or, or they're a little yeah. off on, on getting a nice sweet hop and they bobble it. Um, I don't know why every pitcher doesn't work fast. Some guys mentally just need their time to gather their thoughts, but I always think it's better to think less and just get up there and, and just focus on executing. Especially starting pitchers, man. Yeah. I mean, oh, um, some of those guys like Miguel Bautista used to take like 23 yeah. seconds between pitches and it's like just the whole stadium's him. asleep. But that yeah. was just, I mean, he had a good career, you know, that's what worked for him. So if it's an uh, option, I always say work fast. Big thing with Muller in that first, in his debut, that one inning of relief against the Red Sox, uh, he was it, not a disaster, but it wasn't, it wasn't good, but he gave up four hits and two runs. Thing was all four hits came with two strikes, right? Yeah. So he said, I asked him about that and he said, that that was the biggest thing. He said, after that one inning, that was my biggest focus. Rather than try to make the pitch too good, like I tried to do in that game, just throw a well-executed, well-located pitch. He said, mm-hmm. I know with my stuff, plays well. And he's got the confidence now. He knows his stuff is good enough to let the defense work. He doesn't have to try to blow everybody away. It took me It took me three years to learn that lesson. You know, I mean, my heart rate was always through the roof when I'd get in a jam. You know, you'd have – say Jason Giambi coming up, who you should get out, you know, lefty-lefty, it's a good matchup for you. But yeah. you want to strike him out, you want to do something big, you, you want to throw this nasty slider, or David Ortiz, somebody like that would come up, and I'd always try to do too much, and I'd get burned. And that was one thing that helped when I came over to Atlanta, was just being around guys like BMAC telling me, look, if you make this pitch here, he's going to hit a ground ball, so just make the pitch. It doesn't have to be nasty, just hit my glove and you're good. But it, it's just hard. It's hard for guys to wrap their head around that in this big situation. The crowd's going to go wild. You want to get the strikeout. You want to fist pump. You want to do the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, that, that's just for me. That's just showing a ton of maturity for for a young guy because that was a lesson that took me a while to learn. But once I learned it, you know, I changed my whole career. His fastball and his curveball were rated by Baseball America as the best in the Braves minor league system in the offseason. Really? I think that's. I think the slider would probably now too. It just I mean, wasn't rated, I'm guessing, because you said he added it last year. Yeah, he really worked on it. I think Tucker Davidson, you really got his, developed his, and Huascari Noah. You know, I don't know if they're considered him in that group too, but his is terrific. You know, has got a uh, lights out slider. He's got yeah. a good one. So I have. I didn't look at the ratings. I don't know who was, was first, but I would think it's going to be hard to beat uh, Mullers at this point for the minor league system. But then again, I don't think he's going to be back in the minor league system. If with, you look at what with, that that cutter Kershaw added, what that did for his career, yeah. because he always had the curveball and the fastball. And even when Kershaw dropped down into the low 90s, he added that that cutter or slider, whatever you want to call it, but a harder breaking ball to get you off the slower breaking ball. That yeah. Muller's already starting right there. So that's, I mean, for me, that's a really encouraging sign. But that just having a little, they see spin, but the speed throws them off. You know, the, you still get back and forth between two different breaking balls. You know, that's probably why Votto took that first slider. Cause if that ball's a curveball, yeah. it drops out of the zone. But when it's a slider and it cuts across more, you know, I mean, it just, it just throws hitters such a different look. Anytime I see a lefty with a good fastball and two breaking balls. Yeah. I feel good about it. Guys, let's take a quick break and then we'll finish up the show. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the Internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed Internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. Before Sunday, when, uh, what, the Braves in the first three games of that Red Series, runners in scoring position had gone one for 10, one for 10, and one for eight. They were lucky to even win one of those games, but they did. Uh, but it just goes to show how many runs are leaving out there on, you know, on the bases and, and how quickly it could change with just some get some, get some, get a few uh, key hits. It's not like they're not hitting the ball at all because they are. I mean, they're just stranding so many runners on this trip. But they had during the stretch of nine games before Sunday, they were seven for 52 with runners in scoring position, 135. And that's just awful. But, and they had scored three runs or fewer in every one of those games. That was the longest streak they had had of scoring three or fewer since 2015. They had 190 overall in that stretch and scored 18 runs. So they hope Sunday. Riley hit the home run, got him to 4-0 Sunday in the sixth inning. That was the first game over four, over three. So they hope that uh, they ended the trip on a good note and go into this homestand starting tonight, Tuesday, and, uh, you know, turn the page. I mean, they got – considered how how shitty the offense was in that stretch, they got to be happy with getting a 4-4 four and four, uh, uh, road trip against a couple of pretty good teams, the Mets and the Reds. Yeah, and so, if they can turn that around, I mean, that was it was easy to take it for granted all that late inning magic the last yeah two years. You know, it felt like yeah. every time they needed a big hit, somebody came up and got it. And, that, and I mean, that's yeah. the difference in the whole season this year is whether they need, when they needed a reliever to have that big inning. You know, they they've scuffled a little bit, or when they there's been that big at bat that they seem like they always got that hit the last few years. You know, if they can they get back it. even close to that that yeah. mode. You're looking at a they, completely different season. They went from first in the majors in yep. in a late and close situations, average and OPS in 2019, to last in the majors in both of those this year. First to last. I mean, that's all the difference. And then the relievers too, late and close, were not doing well either. So you can't yeah. combine the two, and that's you all that those two things. talking about. <laughs> huh? Yeah, I mean, you flip those two things, they're probably in first place. If they're, well, if they're just scoring having- late and close, and you're not – Preventing mm-hmm. runs late and close. Yeah, I mean that's it's not the rest of the game that's killing you. Nope. So, I mean, so at least you have reason to hope, you know. And the, and the, and during that stretch too, the other thing was during that stretch, the hard hit rate was still tied with the Dodgers for like best in baseball. So I know people break. get tired of people get tired of hearing them say, you know, we're getting bad luck, but they really are having bad luck. Yeah, I mean, it's it like last year would have been a broken bat single or something just fell in. You know, yeah. where you maybe didn't even earn it. You know, the, the the ball was just bouncing their way. Yeah. So, 
We'll see. I mean, they got to start going, obviously, because you can't. We're almost halfway into the season now, <laughs> and they got to start making up ground. But we, like we said, I mean, they're still right there because the division has been so relatively mediocre. I know the Nats are on fire right now, but nobody's opened up a big gap. Yeah, that's that's insurmountable. That's for sure. So, uh, you know, there's no time to wave the white flag. I mean, to, to decide between now and the trade deadline, whether they're going to be buyers and sellers, I don't think there's any intention right now of being sellers. Now, maybe that I know, they don't make blows my mind to people, people saying who they should trade. <laughs> it's like, yeah, they're four and a yet. half games out of first place. Yeah. What are you talking about? I mean, they're not looking at that's not that's not the organizational attitude, whether it's people, the, some fans attitude or not. That is not. You don't get where you are, win three straight division titles, and all of a sudden you're four and a half out before the all-star break, and you go, you know what? Let's wave a white flag and start over. That's not what they're doing. I mean, well, you've got Azuna, or, or Acuna, and Albie, yeah. Freddie, and Riley doing, you know. And you know we'll be that. back. You know, I mean, that's yep. the thing, too, is like it's, it's not necessarily how you're playing. It's the division you're in. If they were right. in the West, maybe, because right. even the Dodgers are 17 games over 500, and they're two and a half back. Right. Padres are 14 over 500. They're four back. You know, if, if you had a 500 record in that division, you might sell because you're thinking right. we got three teams to get past. But I mean, you're four and a half back. Even if you have a, a losing record and you're four and a half back, you got a shot. So all you need to do is win the division. Yep. But just get hot when you go into the playoffs because we've seen before it's who's hot in the playoffs. It doesn't matter how yeah. good. How many t- years did the break? Wildcard teams the best win baseball? it all the time. Yep. How many years did the Braves have the best team in the baseball, or at least in the National League, and get beaten in the first round? You know, yeah. a lot. They yeah. had years where they won ninety-five to a hundred games, didn't win at all. You just got to so get in. Just you got to get a in. Way in, and then and be healthy. And if they can get know. in and have you know Noah back by then, have Darno back by then, Freed rolling, it'd be a whole different story. You got Muller now on a roll. Mm-hmm. If he could keep building on this, you got Freed coming back Tuesday. You know, he's missed uh, one start or Wednesday. You got uh, Charlie Morton is pitching great now after, you know, the first two months was, eh, he's pitching great now. He looks like Charlie Morton, yep. you know, and the spin rate thing, his spin rate hasn't gone down at all at with all. 60 substance. So, yeah, and he's, unlike he's a lot of for the playoffs. He can handle And Smiley. It. Everybody gave up on Smiley, including us. I mean, I was like, God, what the world did they spend 11 million? He's looked good. It's last yep. three, four starts. Well, and that's so, the whole point, too, is if those guys can be up and down all season – if they're hot going into the playoffs and you got those starters, you can yeah, beat anybody. If you've, if you've got Mueller, Freed, uh, uh, Charlie, uh, first of all, obviously, he's your big game pitcher. Smiley doing what he's doing. You got to know it coming back either as a starter or reliever. But the point is, you got four guys. Yeah. You know, you got four guys and you, you stick in a fifth there and, and just to, just to, you know, you're not going to need a, you're not going to need more than three in the playoffs. So, just got to get there, but yeah, that's that's why a that, lot of that trade talk is kind of like a little premature because if you can just sneak in, I mean, shit, the Cardinals were ten games back behind us in eleven. Yeah, and made you know? it up in September. Yeah, in a month. Yeah, four and a half yeah. back with three to go. There's yeah, no I chance think you that, think about. I think at this point you still got to be you got to be buyers, man. I think at this point you yeah. still got to add. You got to add a reliever, man. If you could add a bat, if you could add. I mean, it's finest guy probably, but if you could add Ketel Marte, oh my God, yeah, that would be the reason I, I'm hung up on him is because he's not only would not only would you be he's not a rental guy, so you're not like giving up a bunch of prospects. 
in the hope that you could do something this year. He's a guy no, signed for three year. more years. So you could build around him. Yeah. Also, it gives you some insurance. I still think they're going to sign Freddie, but it gives you some insurance. If you didn't sign Freddie, you Left got another superstar bat, right? Yeah. Another superstar to go with Acuna, Ozzy, Riley, if he keeps doing what he's doing, but it gives you another superstar. Now, if you sign Freddie, which I think they will do, you talk about Acuna, Ozzy Albies, Marte, Freddie Freeman, and then you got guys like Riley. You got your half, your lineup. You got some studs. Fun. If yeah, yeah, you got some serious power if you were at, and 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 Marte can run too with Acuna. Yeah. I mean, if it's at all possible to get Cattell Marte, I think the Braves should. Even if you have to overpay with your prospects, I would do it, man, because he is a guy that he signed for twenty six million, including options for the next three years. Yeah, you have to give up a lot to get him, you know. But I would. I'd give up. Diamondbacks are in that rebuild mode, so you can you can you can trade prospects without. You could trade B prospects and give them quite a few. You know, you don't have to give up your best guys, but I'd give up an A like a Drew Waters. Yep. And I give up and I give up a pitcher like one of the recent draft picks that might be really good. I might even consider giving up Schuster. I know he's really good. He could be really good, but. The guy I wouldn't give up is the guy that uh, from Clemson, the guy that's just dominated that. What uh, I keep forgetting his name, uh, Stringer. You know the guy I'm talking about. Have you looked at his numbers? I don't look at prospects till they're at AAA. Race. Uh, keep talking. How about your guy uh, Hanniger? What do you think about him? Would they trade? Because he could certainly help the Braves. Oh, he'd help. Yeah, I mean, the only worry with him is is the injury stuff. But when he's healthy, man, he rakes. He's a good athletic outfielder. He can run. Yeah, got power. You know, I mean, if you have power at Safeco or T-Mobile, you got power anywhere. Yeah, uh, the the name I, I don't know why I always forget Spencer Strider's name, but it's Spencer Strider, and he, dude, he is he has been a man among boys in the low minors, and he's he's already let's just say he's already been promoted twice this year. He just got promoted to Double A. That's how dominant he's been at the low and low A and, and high A. He's uh they got him in the fourth round in twenty last year fourth round. Had an injury, Clemson, you know, that uh, he's 22, almost to be 23 in October. So he's a guy that could come quickly because he's a college guy and he's not 21 years old. But listen to these numbers in low A and high A. Okay, he starts the year off in Augusta, low A. Just absolutely dominates. Makes four starts there. 0.59 ERA, the Grummy ERA. Uh, 32 strikeouts with five walks and 15 and a third innings. Six hits. He had an 0.717 whip yeah. at low A in four stars. When dude does that, it's like you're not even getting challenged at this level. You need to get out of here. Man among boys. So they moved him yeah. up to high A, right? Makes three starts at Rome. A little closer, guys closer to his age. He's 22. Makes three starts at Rome. 2.45 ERA. 24 strikeouts, six walks, 14 and two-thirds innings. Gave up nine hits there. He's given up those two levels combined in seven starts. He's given up one homer, 15 hits in 30 innings yeah I, you know it's, it's always it always makes me i don't know it when i see teams that have a guy doing something crazy and they like we want to keep him at this level to develop you know you yeah. stop developing Stupid. when you're putting up those numbers if you're striking right. out guys at that pace you're not getting any better because right. you're not having they're to pitch smart. at it yeah they're smart, they're smart for moving him up he needs to keep not moving to up until he gets challenged until he fails I hate when teams wait like till the All Star break because that's the way they've done it before before yeah. they bump a guy up. This was this guy was was just he might have been, well has been pitching batting practice for what these guys were doing. He, he, yeah. he was just dominating. 
But so he goes up to uh, double A and now he's starting maybe to find his level a little bit, but he's made one start there and he gave up uh, at Mississippi, gave up. He pitched four and two thirds innings there, gave up two runs, uh, three hits, two walks, and again, eight strikeouts in four and two thirds innings. I think this guy can come quick, two man. Thirds. Yeah, I mean, for me, the biggest jumps from high A to double A. That's right. when you get to the point where guys I've can see spin, they can recognize a breaking ball. You know, mm-hmm. you get double A to triple A was exactly the same for me. It was just younger guys versus older guys, but the stuff difference. You know, if your stuff plays in double A, it's going to play in triple A. It's just a matter of there's some smarter, more savvy hitters that know how to work a count and get you into a spot where they can do damage. But yeah. If you cruise through double A, call him up to triple A, you know? I think I mean, he'll do like the Acuna year that Acuna had starting out in A and ended up at triple A. Yep. I think this guy will be a double A. And if he does great for like five, six, eight starts, I think the movement of triple A for that yeah. last month. And, and if he dominates. Position, right. But even at double A, you're in position to go straight to the big leagues if they yeah. wanted him up. I mean, you don't have if to. they needed him. Freed went straight from double A to the big leagues when he yep. started him. But I think this is a guy that could compete for a spot next year for sure. I did it in one year. I started the year in uh, high A, went all the way up. You know, it was just I learned how to make pitches, and all of a sudden, I just you know, if yeah. you execute, if you execute good pitches and you got big league stuff, you know, I mean, there's no reason not to. And even if he even if he finishes the year in AAA, and they think they could use him out of the pen, yeah. you know, I mean, guys yeah. get mad. Guys like sure. the AAA dudes that have been grinding and and they feel like they're putting up their numbers, but they've already had their shot up in the big leagues. And they've shown yeah. that they kind of are going to be an up and down guy. They get pretty pissed when you kind of just leapfrog yeah. them. But if you're running an organization and you got to do this, just cruising through it, he goes to AAA yeah. and cruises through that. You know, teams love just seeing a fresh, a fresh arm come up and, and give them that shot versus somebody you've already kind of played that game with and they've failed multiple times. So, I mean, if, if he keeps doing it, I wouldn't be surprised to see him get a shot. This is, I think they're going to have one of the steals of that draft in this guy because he was hurt at Clemson. So his numbers at Clemson just were not anything that would impress you. Like his last year at Clemson, his junior year, he only made four starts because he had the injury. Is 4.50 ERA. Did, they, did they overpay hits. him? Was he uh, one of those guys that went in the fourth round but still got a million? It wasn't a huge overpay if it was at all. I have to go back and look, but it wasn't a big, like a anything gratuitous. 13 hits and 12 innings of his senior year. So, I mean, he's pitching much better in, in the double-A than he did, you know, in college. It's yeah. senior year. Um, you know, and the year before that, uh, 2018, he missed the 2019 season. I think he had TJ. Yeah. that's, and that's where, where that good back. scouting comes into play that nobody wants no to shit, give credit. But it's, this, this could be a huge yeah. get for the Braves with this guy. So, we'll see. Spencer Strider, name to watch. And Braves followers that follow the minor leagues and all that are surely fully aware of him at this point because he's making some big noise down there in Lowe's. But uh, the cool thing is all their minor league affiliates are within driving distance now of Atlanta, so people can actually go see these guys play at low A at Augusta, you know, high A at Rome. Double A Mississippi is the furthest one away. Then triple A, they're just right up the highway, you know, suburban Atlanta. So, Yeah, that's, you know, that's one of the coolest things, too, about minor league baseball is, like, if you're if – you're, you saw a dude play in Rome and you get to see him in the minors. Yeah. And, and if you're a real baseball fan and you love it, you know, you, you can kind of gauge yourself. Like I think that guy's a big leaguer and you get to be right yeah. about it or wrong about it when you see him go all the way up. But seeing these guys when they're 17, 18, 19 years old, and then watching who they turn into the big leagues. I mean, that's, 
that's a cool journey for fans. That's what I think. That's why those cities that were good baseball towns that lost like teams mm, in a ball and everything because geographic realignment sucks for them because now they've got these indie ball teams. Yeah. So you don't have gonna, that same, you're, you no. can't watch guys and go, Oh, I want to see him. Now I'm a Braves fan. I want to see this guy at the start of his career. That's, that's a huge factor with a lot of mm-hmm. why a lot of people go to those games. They want to see Braves prospects. It's different going to see an indie, indie ball team, man. Indie ball. Or, I mean, there might be one miracle dude, but most of them are just hanging on. Or even those wood bat leagues that they've turned in. You still don't know where the guys are going or whatever. You yeah. Know, it's not your And they're team. not with an organization. Yeah. So you can't right. track them up and get excited about them. Right. All right. Well, big home stand. And uh, we'll talk again after this. Uh, after hopefully these games in. We got rain this week. So that, that, that tropical storm is moving up. So we're going to get some rem- some remnants of that or some or the edge of that. So, but. Good stuff. Good stuff. We're going to have all-star games and all-star starters announced Thursday. The Braves right now have two, Acuna and Ozzy Albies, leading that, uh, their positions going into the phase two of the voting. So all you fans who voted in phase one, make sure you got to vote for phase two, too, because the votes don't carry over with this screwed-up voting system. It's so complicated, man. Yeah. They, want to make, they just want everybody to keep voting. So they start from scratch. So if you want Acuna and Albies to start, you got to vote again. So. We'll see. A lot. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then Freddie was like second among first basemen. So, all right. I bet you he'd it. rather have a nice all star break. <laughs> He's probably. not happy about this year. He'd probably rather take the family yeah. to the Bahamas or something. <laughs> I'd probably rather sign a uh, extension during the all star break. Yeah. Yeah. Work on that deal. All right. We'll, uh, we'll cool. talk again on Friday. 755 is real. We're out. See you. <laughs>